This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered, too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I'm Russ Goldman, and this is the Player Rating Show. Joining me today is Max Cohen from the Boot Room. This episode, we will be discussing the performances of the phone players against Burnley. We have much to talk about, but before I do anything else, always have to welcome my co-host back to the show. Max, you were in England. How you doing, my friend? Welcome back to Cottage Talk. Thank you so much, Russ. Yeah, I was doing well. Um, I was in London for the first match of the season against Palace. A disappointing result for me, but then, of course, getting that first win on Sunday against Burnley just made everything better. It was three months to the day since that famous day at Wembley. We beat Aston Villa, and we got our first Premier League win exactly three months later. So how how about that for some nice symmetry? Absolutely. Very good there, my friend. Listen, we're going to go through the player ratings, and I definitely want your ratings, but I'm going to be sharing the ratings and commentary from Ryan O'Donovan from London. He actually did the first two player rating shows, and Sarah Taylor from Hamian.com. They both have ratings. They both have commentary. So I'll read each player's ratings and commentary out to you, and then you can share yours as well. We, we can comment on what they have to share. But before we do that, I, I want to get your thoughts. We talked about this on the post-match show. We also talked about this on the full-time show. Before we go through the ratings, what was going through your mind an hour before the match when you saw the starting eleven? <sighs> It was it was a mixture of a lot of things. I think many people were shocked that Adoy came back in instead of Chambers. I think that surprised a lot of people. A lot of people were surprised that Angisa was dropped. But for me, the big thing that jumped to mind was Bedinelli, which again I think took everyone by surprise because right. he was the key. Um, that was what the debate raged about for the, for the first two weeks of the season was the goalkeeper position. Absolutely, and of course the news that, that the goalkeeper coach had left. You know, midweek. A lot of people suspected maybe it's Bedinelli back. And I, I just had a feeling, Russ, you know, we might get into this later, but I don't think Bedinelli played amazingly. But every single time he comes back into the squad, 
we just seem to win. And that's why I love him so much. I can't explain it. I don't think he would put the, this win down to Bednelli. But for some reason, he comes back in and we win. And that's why I'm such a big fan of Marcus Bednelli. It's a good point. They do win when he's the goalkeeper. It's very interesting. Uh, I can't put my finger on it either. Listen, he's a good goalkeeper. But uh, we're going to talk about his performance. That's actually where we're going to start, Max. And I'm going to start with the reading and the comments from Ryan O'Donovan from Football Adult London. This is what Ryan had to say about Marcus Bettinelli. He gave him a six, played almost as a sweeper at most times, and looked determined to prove he could play with the ball at his feet. Came out to claim cross as well and had a good game. So that's what Ryan had to share. Now I'm going to read what Sarah Taylor on HammyEnd.com had to share about Marcus Bettinelli. She gave him a six as well. This is what she had to share. He had little to do here in truth with Burnley's two goals being their only shots on target, and he was left helpless for both of them. Jokanovic clearly wants a keeper comfortable with the ball at his feet, and there were early signs that Bettinelli still struggles to fulfill this requirement. There's hesitancy in his distribution, and several of his early passes went into touch, and it will be interesting to see how the goalkeeping situation resolves itself. Okay, my friends, so both people here give Marcus Bettinelli a six. Your thoughts, do you agree with the comments of Ryan O'Donovan and Sarah Taylor and the ratings? Yeah, I, I think I think six is probably fair. Um, they made a good point, which they had two shots on target, which led to two goals. So he didn't actually make a save. But I think he was a lot more convincing uh, than Fabry was, certainly with situations from crosses. And that was what he had to do most of the match, was come out and claim crosses. Yep. And he did that on a number of occasions. And let's not forget, I think Fabry, for me, was shaky when it came to patrolling his penalty area. He dropped a notable one against Tottenham. And I think the one thing that was missing from Benelli's display was a high-profile mistake. And honestly, to be fair, that's what Fabry brought to the team, I think. Fabry made some high-profile mistakes, not saying he had a terrible match in, his, in the two matches he played, but he made big mistakes. And Bednelli did not do that. He was consistent. It's a very, he, yeah, very consistent. Go ahead. He came up when, when he yep. needed to. And I don't think you can blame either of the goals on him. There's little he no. could do in truth. So I think a six is fair. No amazing saves, but also I think he did a solid job. Um, and the distribution for me, he might have misplaced a couple of passes. I, I'll concede that. But I think also Fabry wasn't exactly the most assured with his feet either. Um, so I'm going to give him a six. Okay. Very interesting point that you brought up that he didn't make a huge mistake, whereas we've already seen that with Fabry. So we'll have to see how this all shakes out. I actually think Fabry has a future with Fulham Football Club, and uh, I want to see him play more matches before I make judgment on him. But uh, very interesting thoughts by these two writers and then, of course, yourself there. So let's move on. Let's now talk about a player I'm curious your thoughts on because uh, I was impressed by him, so I just want to say that off the bat. Let's talk about Timothy Fosu-Mensa. Rhino Donovan gives him a seven. This is what he had to share. Made some good runs down the right, but couldn't deliver the final ball in the first half. His runs caused Burnley's defense problems all game. Totally agree with Ryan on that. This is what Sarah had to share on Hamian.com about Timothy Fosu-Mensa, also a seven. An energetic and enterprising display from the Manchester United loanee, who was once again preferred to Cyrus Christie at right back. He showed an eagerness to get forward from the off and displayed a blistering turn of pace in the final third that Fulham could yet utilize to their advantage. Fosu Mensa was solid defensively and read the game well, 
but like most modern fullbacks, offered real value as an overlapping attack. His crossing proved more dangerous than Christie's, and one splendid low center narrowly eluded Andre Scherler and Alexander Mitrovic in the second half. I remember that well. Like I mentioned, she gives Mensa a seven along with Ryan. Your thoughts? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I might even go a little bit higher and give him perhaps a seven and a half, but okay. I, agree, I agree with, mo- with most of what they said. I like Sarah's point that he's basically a, a better version of Christie, which is is what I would characterize him as. I agree with that, actually. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah, because he has the same pace, but I think he's almost a lot more composed in attacking areas. And he just has, I think, a better um, attacking mindset than Christie does. Um, I was at that first match of the season against Palace, and down the right wing, Christie and Schiller were dangerous up to up until a point where Christie just could not find that final ball and it was just frustrating to see how many good positions Christie could get in but not really deliver I think Foster Mensa has that ability to get into those same positions but perhaps be more dangerous once he gets in them and we saw that all match and I think the pace we saw from him was also really impressive uh, bombing down the right wing on numerous occasions he looks very exciting a good prospect um, and I think he's showing why it was really good deadline day business to bring him in Absolutely. And honestly, I think he has a higher ceiling than Christie. And I'm I'm not against Cyrus Christie, but I just see him as there's more growth potential there. Do you see that as well? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Foster Menza obviously being a younger player. And also he actually has more uh, Premier League experience than Christie as well. Yes, he does. So, you know, I- I'm excited to see uh, how he turns out later on in the season. Okay, excellent. All right, let's move on to Dennis Adoy. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a six. This is what Ryan had to share. Had a decent performance in the heart of defense and grew into the game more and more as the match progressed. Sarah on Hamian says about Dennis Adoy, the Belgian was recalled in the heart of the foam back four following his suspension and Calum Chambers below par display at Wembley. He is still very much a makeshift center back and can struggle to convince at this level, but managed to nullify Chris Wood's physicality for the most part, although it was Maxime Lemarchand who gave away the ball for Burnley's equalizer. Odoi was slow to shuffle across and read the danger, ultimately leaving Bettinelli unsighted for Hendricks' first shot, also a six from Sarah. Your thoughts on what the two riders gave Dennis Odoi? Yeah, I think I'm going to give him a seven, actually. I I agree that he's not... I don't think he's a consistent Premier League center back. I think that's for sure. I think a lot of what this rating kind of hinges on is what was expected of Dennis Adoy and what he actually produced. Considering he's not the tallest of center backs, to go up against the Burnley team with the likes of Chris Wood, and they brought on Sam Vokes as well later on, two massive center forwards who love to get ahead on the ball, I thought he performed very well. I thought he did a great job filling in, considering he hadn't played um, since the playoff final. And his last match of the sending off, I thought he did a great job. Um, there were instances, like I mentioned, where I think he probably could have closed down better with regards to that first goal. But overall, I thought he partnered Le Marchand very well and dealt with a pretty fearsome Burnley attack uh, decently, I think. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, let's move on. Let's now look at Maxine Le Marchand. Ryan O'Donovan gives him a six. And this is what Ryan had to share. Was it fall for the Burnley goal when he gave away the ball cheaply in the middle of the park? Was out-muscled by Tarkowski for the second goal. Improved in the second half. 
That's what Ryan had to share. Sarah, this is what she said on handbehand.com. She also gives Maxime Lamarche on to six. This is probably the Frenchman's least assured of the three Premier League outings to date. He had been superb since stepping into the full defense, but was badly culpable for Burnley's first goal, gifting the Clarets possession on the halfway line with a sloppy pass. Did little else wrong, making a couple of excellent recovery tackles to thwart potential danger and switched to left back for the final quarter of the contest after Joe Bryan went off. Okay, my friend, what are your thoughts on Maxine Lemachon? Yeah, this was one's a tough one. I was thinking about this one a lot before because, as both of the writers mentioned, he was at fault for both of the goals. You know, the first one is, is something that is really inexcusable. When we play this kind of style of passing out of the back, you just can't give it away in those kind of areas. And in the Premier League, you will get punished. You know, that was really Burnley's really first attack. And we give him one shot at it, and they score. And that's what's going to happen in the Premier League. So he has to cut out those kind of passing mistakes in his game. And then as Ryan mentioned, he got out muscled for that goal um, at the back post. And, you know, you can debate whether it was offside or not. I think it was offside. But I think it was. at the end of the day, you know, yeah, with no VAR, they're still going to give the goal. So he's at fault for that goal too. But how do you reconcile those two really meaningful mistakes with his rest of the performance, which I thought was excellent, you know? Yeah. I thought he made some really good tackles. I thought he was assured as always. So I think a six, maybe a five, maybe five and a half, that's probably going to be the best rating for him because he did those two mistakes, which is what people might remember more. But I think throughout the match, he was also pretty, pretty effective as well. So I'm going to say five and a half. And I think that's fair to go even lower than the two riders because unfortunately in the situation of center backs, you're probably rated by the mistakes that you made, unfortunately. You know, hopefully you don't make many mistakes. But in the situation with uh, Maxine Lamarchand, there were mistakes. So that's why I understand why you went lower. And Max, I want to go back to you because you were mentioning VAR. We're talking about the second goal being offside. We were talking last night. I was focusing way too much on the fact that I thought he was offside the defending was horrible. And I think that was something that I should have been focusing on more. So I, I can talk about it being offside, but there's no excuse for that goal. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point because let's say you're defending that, that properly from Lemarchand. There's not even a position where he should be offside because if he's going to play him off, play that's him right. off. But he just got out muscled. And yeah. you should be really goal side in a situation like that and be in, uh, behind the players so you can make that challenge instead of having him you know, be in front of you and out muscle you. So... That's just frustrating to see. And if it was from a set piece, which we know Burnley is so dangerous from, we thought we would have probably would have prepared that more effectively um, during the midweek in preparation to the match. So that was an annoying goal to concede. Absolutely. Uh, very disappointing, especially when you just want a 3-1. to one. Yeah. That's the last thing that you want. Yeah. You know, I was hoping, just let's get through the half 3-1. to one. And I, I think Fulham could have coasted at that point, but that's not what happened, my friend. All right, let's move on. This is a player I definitely want your thoughts on that I'm high on. Again, he is now transitioning from the championship to the Premier League, and I think there is going to be a learning curve. So I want your thoughts on Joe Bryan's performance. Ryan gave him a six. This is what he had to share. Tried to attack down the wing, but his delivery wasn't quite up to scratch. Did well defensively, but has yet to offer the attacking threat required from their fullbacks. And what Sarah had to share on Hammy and about Joe Bryan, she actually gives him a seven where Ryan actually, I think I mentioned, but I'll just mention again, Ryan 
gave Brian a sixth. That's a little tongue twister there, my friend. <laughs> this is what Sarah had to share about Joe Bryan. Another excellent display from the left back who has shown little sign of being daunted for the step up to the top flight after arriving on deadline day from Bristol City. Got forward to great effect and dovetailed nicely with Luciano Dieto down the flank, providing him with a pass that began the move for Fulham's first goal. Positioned himself well defensively and seems a solid acquisition with scope for improvement who already looks comfortable at Craven Cottage and, as mentioned, seven. So you have Ryan giving Joe Bryan a six and Sarah giving Joe Bryan a seven. Where do you fall on this? Yeah, I tend to go a bit higher with Joe Bryan. I'm going to go with uh, the seven as well, just like Sarah, because I think he had a really good match. Um, but the one thing that's kind of telling with his learning curve to the Premier League, as you mentioned, is that Slavisa brought him off again. So whether that was fatigue or he just wanted to switch up the formation, towards the last 15, 20 minutes of the match, he decided, I'd rather have Le Marchand as my left back, which is interesting to see. Um, but I thought he was very solid defensively. I can't think of many mistakes he made. And I thought every time he goes forward, he looks very assured. You know, we saw it in the Tottenham match, how good his delivery can be with that left foot of his. And he just looks like a player who fits so nicely into our system because he's comfortable with the ball, likes to get forward as well, but is uh, overall a tidy left back. And honestly, in many ways, he does remind me of Matt Target, a similar type of player. So I think, I think he's, a, he's a good one to have at the back for us. Okay, very interesting take on Brian. I want to get your thoughts on what I'm about to share because when I saw the move, I was thinking that he just wanted to get Chambers on that to bring on another defender because you could always move Lamarchand to left back. Nothing against Joe Bryan, but I just thought that that was a move more to be more defensive-minded where Bryan is more an attacking left back. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's for sure. I think Bryan can get forward better. He's more attacking. Um, and, you know, we've seen that he can score great goals for Bristol City in the past. He has done so. Yeah, anyway, I agree with that for sure. Okay, excellent. All right. Let's move on to the return of Kevin McDonald. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Kevin McDonald. I was curious how he would do in this match. I thought he did fairly well. Well, Ryan seems to think so. This is Ryan's rating. He gives him a seven. Was his usual self in the anchor role, but Burnley found a lot of space between the midfield and the defense when breaking. Okay, so that's a seven from Ryan. Sarah also goes with a seven. The Scottish international was restored to the starting lineup to face his former club, having missed the meeting the Spurs the last weekend and delivered another composed performance at the base of the full midfield. They didn't need to snap into too many tackles to break up Burnley attacks, but his reading of the game and positioning remained spot on. A reassuring presence in front of the back four, McDonald knows how. He will need to be on top of his game as Angisa adapts to English football. As mentioned, seven from Sarah. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower with a six and a half. I still think he, he played well, but I can't think of too many instances where he was really needed to play well. Um, so I don't think he really impressed uh, that much for me. But I thought, you know, in general, he was composed. And that's what Kevin McDonald brings. He brings that composure. He brings that steadying influence. Uh, in midfield, and just as I mentioned, you know, with Angisa, you know, kind of breathing on his back, he's going to have to up his game, yeah. which is another, I think, a very good byproduct of all the competition we have in the squad is that every single player is going to have to play to a higher level than they did before because they know if they don't play well, they're going to be out in the next match. I think he'll be very important for us this season. I think I can easily see him and Angisa 
almost like alternating matches depending on the situation. And I think McDonald brings a lot more experience, a lot more level-headedness to that midfield where Nguisa might be prone to a couple of mistakes when he tries to dribble a ball or ponders too long in the ball and gets caught. You know, we saw that for Kieran Tripper's free kick. That was a right. result of Nguisa kind of laboring. I think with Kevin McDonald, he knows when to distribute it. He's not going to try to take on three players in his own half. So that's what he brings. And, you know, I was impressed with him. And I think the fact of the matter is, which is kind of a credit of the way we played so much on the front foot, he didn't really have to do that much on Sunday. Okay, excellent. Just want to share this with you. Emilio Danello shared this on uh, the show. He was just talking about Kevin McDonald. He thought that you're talking about situations that might benefit him. He thought playing against Burnley with the conditions that were at Craven Cottage with the pitch, with the rainy conditions, that it might benefit having him in there. Do you agree with that? Uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I guess, sure, uh, the the conditions can make it a little slick, and he's the one who can – I think he's very good at taking balls, you know, whatever, however they're played to him or however they're coming from the attack and kind of controlling play and slowing things down, getting us into our rhythm. So, yeah, I, I can see the merits of that argument, sure. Okay, excellent. All right, let's talk about Tom Kearney. Ryan gives him a seven. Lovely chip ball to find Mitrovic at the back of the post for Fulham's second goal. Wasn't at his usual best in the first half, producing a few sloppy passes, but produced a fine performance in the second, limped off with an injury with 13 minutes left. That's what Ryan had to share. And like I mentioned, it's a seven. And Sarah also gives... Tom Kearney is seven. This is what she has to share. The Fulham captain was a little quieter than usual, the heart of the midfield, but was by no means poor, produced a brilliant floated ball that looked to be straight from Montsburg Park training ground routines for Mitrovic's first goal from a cleverly worked short corner and found the room to run at Burnley's defense as the game became open in the second half. Substituted as a precaution following a late challenge from Charlie Taylor, but Jokanovic revealed that he should be available for the trip to Brighton on Saturday. A seven for him as well. Your thoughts? I'm going to say six because although he had that brilliant assist, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, I just I just don't know when we're going to see the true Tom Candy or are we going to see the Tom Candy that we've seen in the past? You know, Russ, like when was the last time we saw Tom Candy truly dominate a match and take over? I think the playoff final was a recent example. But before that, I think, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I just think he's been quiet for the past couple of months. I just, I just have not seen him a match from that. We know he can produce that potential where he takes over the match with his passes. He takes on players. He's also hard defensively. He just seems, I mean, Sarah mentioned he was, he was a little quieter than usual. Yeah. I'll agree he was quiet, but I, is this the new like normal for Tom Kearney? I, I'm just a bit conflicted because I think we know he can play so well, but, Maybe, Maybe the he's league. finding his yeah. feet he's finding in the career league. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. It's an adjustment uh, for all these players yeah. coming from the championship. You know, it has to be an adjustment. So maybe it's just him figuring out what he can and what he can't do in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And although I'd say he was quiet, I think he had that one moment when it really mattered. That cross from Mitch was so good because when I saw it, I was certain – that was either going to be Joe Hart's or that was going to go out for a goal kick. But he just curled that superbly just so it evaded Hart, went right back into Mitrovic's head. That's such a hard ball to play. And on, this, on those conditions, that was just absolutely pitch perfect. 
Um, and it was a crucial goal for us. So credit to him for that, for that set piece. We don't normally see him um, on those kind of short corner routines. Oh, that was great, he, though. Yeah, he did so well. That was great. That was fantastic. Yeah. And it still shows the quality that he has. Yeah. You know, he, here we are. We're, we're talking about that he hasn't looked like the player that we're used to in the championship, but he still has that quality. <laughs> That's why I'm just thinking that maybe it's just a matter of time before he returns to that player that you're talking about. I just think it's learning the Premier League game for a player that's been in the championship who dominated the championship. I think maybe we need to give him just a little bit more time to see him develop in the Premier League. That's just my opinion, Max. Undoubtedly, yeah. All right, let's move on. This is a player I definitely want your thoughts on, Jean-Michael Sarri. Ryan gives him a seven. I'm going to be first to say I think Ryan is low here. That's just my opinion. Maybe you'll disagree with me. This is what he had to share. Scored a stunning goal after just four minutes. Fantastic goal, I'll just say that. Put in some good tackles and looked to get the ball down and play. That's what he had to share, a seven. And I agree with Sarah, who gives Jean-Michael Seri an eight. This is what she had to say. The Ivorian already appears a cut above as a classy orchestrator of possession in the full midfield with his quick movement of the ball and his exceptional football and brain. That's a key part of why I think he deserves a higher rating here. He produced a moment of genuine quality to put the Whites ahead with an execant from long range that left Joe Hart beaten just four minutes in. The kind of effort that the Whites have seemingly been reluctant to take on in recent years. But with a low center of gravity reminiscent of Mohamedou Diara and some of the vision that reminds you of Moussa Dembele, Seri has all the attributes to be a star. I agree with Sarah. I disagree with Ryan. I think he was better. And I think the footballing brain part that she mentioned is the thing that stands out. He is so calm, cool, and collected. It's effortless for this guy. He deserves an eight, maybe even higher than that. Your thoughts? Yeah, he's, he, he is a cut above, as you mentioned. I'm going to say eight and a half. You know, that, that's what I think because he just tries things that, that no one else even has the audacity to try. He has no right to score from that situation. That came out of nowhere. That came out of nowhere. And, and when people talk about uh, Jean-Michel Serri, they don't talk about his scoring ability. You know, it's all about the passing, you know, the vision. He doesn't score goals like that. But, you know, he can score goals like that. And he hit that, I think, so true. And the way I've, I've watched his goal so many times that you have as well, the way I just aired in the top corner, um, he hit that just right, right where you want to hit that ball. And it's so satisfying to watch over and over again. And with his footballing brain, he, he he attempts passes, he attempts through balls with those little chips and flicks. Sorry to mention that. Yeah, it really is. And also, he has the defensive side of the play. He has superb slide tackles, and I think his low center of gravity. I'm, I'm glad she brought it up. Yep. Although, I mean, Mamadou Diar, when I remember, he was a much bigger lad than Seri, which makes I think Seri's defensive abilities even more impressive because he's so much smaller, but he can use his um, compact body frame to his advantage to get low to the ground and just step in front of players and and, and get them where they're not expecting it he can slide tackle he can win back possession effectively and another play that sticks out to me from this match is when um he's receiving a ball from the right and just and he knows Kearney's behind him and just lets the ball go through his legs yep. and then peels off for a run that that just encapsulated it all for me you know he knows exactly where the ball is going to go he knows where his teammates are and he already sees instincts. Know, steps ahead instincts yeah yes he's Thinking way ahead, probably most players, that's what makes him special. And I'm glad that uh, Sarah really brought that out in, in what she had to say about Sarah. Talking about, you know, again, 
I've been thinking about DR a little bit. He does have some of those qualities, and I think he has some of the qualities from Musa Dembele as well. So to combine it, I think is fantastic even to put that in the same same uh, breath of those two players because uh, I, I have fond memories of both. I, I wish we got DR when he was younger, but that wasn't going to be possible. <laughs> but Musa Dembele was uh, fantastic, one of my favorite Fulham players. All right, my friend, let's move on. have to talk about this player because uh, – I was uh, fascinated with his performance, and I cannot believe how many shots this guy got off. It was it was crazy. We have to talk about Andre Sherla. Ryan gives Andre Sherla an eight, and this is what he has to share. Enjoyed a good first half and looked the liveliest of phones forwards. Caused Burnley problems, cutting inside onto his right all game. Got the goal that his performance deserved. He could have had a hat trick, honestly. That's what was crazy about his performance. That's from Ryan. And Sarah shares this about Andre Schroer. The German was determined to make his point after being recalled to Jokovic's first 11 yesterday afternoon and buzzed around with intent from the off. You can see his quality in the driving runs from midfield and how he darts into dangerous central areas. As some of that vision to release teammates, Schroer seems to be full of confidence and looked to test hard at every opportunity hitting 11 shots during the contest, but it appeared as though it wouldn't be his day until the former England goalkeeper turned Mitrovic's effort onto the post and the winger rifled in the rebound. So they both give Andre Shoa an eight. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm, I'll make it three from three, and also I'll give him an eight as well here. He was just so lively is the one word I would describe it. And I think it was a great reaction because – after being dropped for the Tottenham away match, I think, you know, he's a World Cup winner. He's coming from Dortmund. He hasn't had the best recent time of it. But I do not think he was expecting to be dropped for that match. And instead of responding, you know, by sulking or thinking, you know what, maybe this isn't going my way, he turns out a performance like that, which just was so full of energy, so full of confidence, as, as I mentioned. I think I read he took 11 shots on the entire match. He, kept, he kept trying, going and going. And you know, it shows his persistence that, you know, on the, the last one, you know, the final couple shots, um, instead, when he got a rebound from Mitrovic's shot, I think almost everyone in the ground expected him to curl it to the far right-hand corner. But instead, he goes near post, such a cheeky finish, and I think only a player like Sherla could come up with that. They hit it so so well, so low, um, right into that near corner, hard had no chance. It was a well-taken goal, but I think his performance was about so much more than just that goal, you know. His his movement was top class. He created space for other players. He was always driving inside or driving outside. Um, and, you know, he almost had that curl that hit the crossbar. He just showed, you know, in a match when we have a lot of chances, he can be a player who just kind of takes that game to the next level. Uh, I was really impressed with him. So was I. And uh, I think this goes even more than just this match. I think he is on a mission to prove some people wrong prove what happened at Dortmund, that he's a better player than that. And uh, I think that he's out to really show everyone this. And uh, I, th- I think uh, Fulham are going to reap the rewards of this. I, you know, I, I've heard some not happy about the move, and, and I understand that because he did not perform up to expectations at Dortmund. But if this is what we're going to see moving forward, and if this is the beginning of Andre Schurl at Fulham, I think we're in for a treat because I, I think he has even more to offer. And I love the fact that he shot so much. Love it. And uh, keep on doing it because uh, eventually he's going to score. I truly believe that. And I I thought his performance was excellent. 
I agree with the eight. I, I understand why everyone is in agreement on that. All right, let's move on to the player that for me was the shock of the starting 11. I did not see this coming. This wasn't even on my radar, Max. We have to talk about Luciano Vieto. He gets a seven from Ryan. This is what Ryan had to share. Had a slow start to the game, but did very well to put in a lovely ball for Mitrovic's second goal. Grew into the match and was a live wire during the second half. I couldn't agree more with that part from Ryan. This is what Sarah had to share. The Argentinian was handed a surprise start at the expense of Ryan Sessegnon on the left of Fulham's front three and turned in an excellent performance on his full debut. He might look a little lightweight for the rough and tumble of the Premier League, but Vieto's intelligent runs and clever use of the ball shows just how he could fit into Jokanovic's plans. Vieto was bright throughout and floated in an inviting cross for Fulham's third goal, the high point of an energetic display. Seven from Sarah, and it was like I mentioned, also a seven from Ryan. Do you agree with them? I'm, a, I'm actually gonna go higher. I'm gonna say eight for Vieto. Okay. Um, partly because, as kind of first Sarah mentioned, you know, it's not gonna get much tougher than a match against Burnley. You know, for your Premier League full debut. But I thought he played with great promise, and I thought he played. He was one of our most dangerous attackers. You know, the the ball that he played in for Mitrich's uh, oh. second goal. That's Beautiful. superb. And what I love most about that is it kind of showed um, that kind of sequence uh, really summed up for me his entire performance because he was in a great position from the counterattack to be in the left wing and receive the ball. Now, first, he tried to play in a low first-time cross, yep. which was uh, immediately blocked out by the Burnley defender and it came right back at him. And I think a lot of players in that situation might have just you know, said, oh, well, my first cross didn't work. I'll just pass it off to another player and try to make a run, get back in position. And we'll just kind of grow the attack. But, you know, he had the confidence and he had the vision to say, listen, I'm going to take on this ball a second time and pick out the Mitrovic who had this superb run and, and led to a goal. So I think that kind of persistence really impressed me for a player who I think it might have been easier for him just to kind of shy away from the, uh, the spotlight. But he went back and he, and he sought the spotlight and it paid off. His runs were really impressive. I, I think he is, he is not the most physical player, but I think he showed that he, with his pace and his technique, he can kind of run rings around teams like Burnley. Um, and, and it really begs the question, you know, what does this mean for Ryan Sessegnon? <laughs> can you really drop Luciano Vieto after, you know, a two-assist performance on his full debut in which we had our best attacking oh, no. display of the year? It, it's, a, it's a dilemma I've been thinking about because I think before this match, I don't it's think It's a great really problem to have. That's it. all I'm going to say. It's a good, yeah, well said. It's a good problem to have. It's better to have this than, you know, not be scoring. But <laughs> can you really put Session back in after we got score four goals. And this know. guy plays like Vieto plays like that, you know, is that fair to them? Is that what's going to happen? I, I don't have the answers. I, I don't think anyone has the answers right now, but it, it's, it's a conundrum we have, which is a good one to have, as you said. It is a good one to have, but again, we're going to talk about Mitrovic next. But when you look at the three of them, it all fits. It fits very well. They played very well together. So that goes back to your point. How do you drop this guy for the next match? But what's interesting about this, we were talking about this on the post-match show, Max, is that um, this might be a different situation this season for Slavisa. He might be mixing and matching to the opponent, to the players that will give him the best chance to beat the actual opponent. It's something that I'm used to in American football with the New England Patriots when they play to the opponent. And again, we might not get the same starting 11 on a regular basis. I don't know. I could be wrong. But... 
this could be a situation where we see changes each and every week. And uh, I don't know if I like that, but again, I'm just looking at it. I think that Vieto is part of his plans. But then you have the situation with Ryan Sessegnon. Maybe there'll be better opponents that Sessegnon is equipped for. Maybe Vieto fits other opponents. So maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe there are opponents that McDonald works better than Nguisa. And that's what's great about this team right now. So Visa has options all over the pitch to change it up if he needs to. Choices. And that's what's wonderful. So to answer your question, I would think that you would go with those three up top, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, how do you drop this guy? I don't know. I thought he played excellent. I was very impressed by him, and we'll see what happens. But I'll just end by saying this is a very good problem to have, and you already agree with that, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to Mitro. Mitro was my man of the match. I'll just mention that. Ryan gave him a nine. This is what he said. Demonstrated good strength throughout the game, and he used that to nod in the second goal. A really good all-round display from Mitrovic. Sarah gives Mitrovic a nine. This is what she had to say. On this form, the 22 million pound form paid Newcastle to finally secure the Serbian services this summer Looks a snip. There have been question marks about his ability to score goals in this at this level, but Mitrovic seems to thrive on proving the doubters wrong. He already has three, topping the Premier League goal-scoring charts, and he bullied the Burnley center halves throughout. He buried two headers, but his all-around play was far more significant. I couldn't agree with Sarah Moore on that. With intelligent movement and the ability to play in others, unfortunate not to claim a memorable hat-trick late on. Like I mentioned, nine from Sarah, and Ryan, I believe, also gave Mitro, I'm just double-checking, a nine as well. I totally agree. Like I said, he's my man of the match. Do you agree with the ratings there? Yeah, I, I agree with it all. I think he's nine. I think he's man of the match. I think, you know, here's, here's a stat, which I, I think you probably have seen in the run-up, but I, I just want to repeat it again because it's so sure. remarkable. Since Mitrovic joined Fulham, um, he played his first match in February. He scored 15 goals I in the league. That, yeah. yeah, and that's no one has scored more. The player who's joint top of them is Mo Salah. I know, I saw that. <laughs> in all of the top four leagues in English football. Crazy. So, it fits, amazing. my friend. He that's just amazing. fits. It fits. And it's so nice to see because, and it's, and it's a great conundrum because the Newcastle fans who saw Rafa Mita oh. tell him he can go, they're, they're thinking, what's going on, you know? But I, I don't think you can necessarily blame Benitez or Newcastle because he just didn't fit there. And it would have been wrong to keep him at a place he didn't fit. He didn't thrive in that system. They didn't want him. Here, at Fulham with Zikanovic, with all the pieces just fitting perfectly, I think you're seeing the ability for a striker who can not only you know, perform in the, in the Premier League, I think he's a much higher potential than what he's doing now. I think he can I go totally on, agree. Yeah, exactly. To become one of the best strikers in the league. Because in a system like we have, he gets those crosses. We have so many thrive. chances. He's going to thrive. And another thing, which I, I really uh, glad that Sarah brought that up as well, is that it wasn't just his attacking play, I think. Um, you see him closing down. I remember this. It was probably like 20 minutes ago. He's running at James Sarkowski, closing down a loose ball yep. all the way at the end of the pitch. He never stops running. He chases down everything. He presses high up the pitch. He's the most willing runner, the most willing worker for the team. He's such a workhorse. And it pays off with goals, and it pays off with winning possession up the pitch. He holds up play. He starts attacks. My man of the match, as I think most people will agree. Um, yeah, and 
I think Salisa said it best, you know, um, after the match. People said he wasn't a Premier League player. He's proven them wrong, and I think that's oh. just fueling his fire almost more. Absolutely, and what makes it even more impressive for me is who he did it against. These are two quality center backs, and uh, James Sarkowski is a very good center back, and he did a nice job against these two guys. And uh, Mitro, again, I agree with you, Max. I've said this before. I've had people saying to me, no, he, I, I said he's going to score 15 goals, and people laughed at me. I think he's going to score 15-plus goals. You know, again, I think he's going to prove me right. I really believe this. I think Mitro is going to score those amount of goals because it's the system. It's the player. They just match up so well together. It's working. Three games, three goals. What more could you ask? He's creating all of these opportunities for himself and his teammates. Everyone's involved. Again, Andre Sherwood scores off of a shot of his. I mean, Everyone's contributing. That's what's great about this. And it goes back to the that front three. And, I'm, you know, I keep going back to Vieta. What do you do with him? Because it works so well together. And But you have such a talent like Ryan Cessna, and You have other players as well. And um, I guess Savisa has uh, decisions to make. But I think these are very good decisions to make, honestly, when you have talent and you can – Mix and match if you need to. He can change things up if he has to. But Mitro, no, you don't You don't need to change Mitro. He stays. <laughs> he stays. All right, my friend, real quick on the substitutes, and we're just going to go through the ratings because they didn't play that much. I'll just go through what Ryan ha- had to share and then also Sarah. Ryan gave Chambers and Gisa and Session all fives. And let's see what Sarah had to share on the substitutes. She gave... Chambers a six, and Gisa a six, and Sessignon a six. So she went a little bit higher than Ryan. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to go somewhere in the middle between those two. I think like Sessignon and Gisa fives. I don't think they have that much time to influence, but I'd give Chambers a bit higher. I'd give Chambers a six, just I think he played more and had, I think, had more impact on the game, slotting into defense, you know, at a time when Burnley were trying to throw uh, men forward. I thought he did well to combat that. Okay, excellent, my friend. What's it, Max? Before we go, just tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter, and then of course on the Boot Room. What, what have you been writing on the Boot Room, or yeah, have coming can, up? Sure, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Max P Cohen, and I actually just wrote a piece of the Boot Room this week. Um, just today, got published. Uh, we do a team of the week each week over there, and I put, of course, Fulham's Alexander Mitrovic up in there. And the title <laughs> is Fulham's Alexander Mitrovic shows he is ready made for the Premier League. And I kind of make the point about how, you know, he stepped up to the task, showing he's a Premier League striker. And, yeah, I have it in the, uh, in, in, in the off for this week. I have something planning on a longer-form piece kind of on the whole Fulham goalkeeper saga because yep. it, it really has been quite a saga, let's be honest, since pre- and it always seems to be such a big point. Why is the Fulham goalkeeper position so problematic and why is there so much drama surrounding it? I'm going to take a look into that, so keep an eye out for that. I look forward to seeing that because it's been a huge talking point. So it should be a very interesting read. I look forward to that, my friend. All right, let's wrap up this episode of Cottage Talk for my co-host, Max Cohen from The Boot Room. I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. 
Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.